Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a second here. Got to bring in Facebook. Get everybody together before we dive in. And we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my co-host, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, there's a lot to talk about today as we sift through the aftermath of the Broncos' Week 14 victory over the Panthers. But what I just can't understand, I'm seeing it on Twitter. I'm seeing it on Facebook. I'm seeing it on the comments on our YouTube channel. The haters, dude, in Broncos country are a thing, are a thing. I don't understand why such a large swath of Broncos country, instead of looking the – they are looking the gift horse in the mouth with regard to Drew Locke. Instead of just going right on, we finally saw some really strong signs of, of progress. They're going, uh-uh-uh. Chad, real quick. Let them hate. That's ex- it's exactly why we have this shirt. It's exactly why we have the hashtag. Exactly why we have the mindset around this podcast about Drew Locke. It's because, like we mentioned last night, Chad, some people, not just Broncos fans, refuse to be happy. They love reveling in misery. They love being righteous and indignatious about something. And that's exactly what these Drew Locke haters are. If they were fans of Denver, true fans of Denver, they want to see Locke do well because that means the Broncos are doing well. They want to root for the young quarterback and not root against him. They're rooting for the name on the back of the jersey, not the front of the jersey. Those aren't true fans to me. I just think it's ridiculous. i also been uh, tagged or added, whatever you want to call it, on Twitter, saw it on YouTube, saw it on Facebook as well, from fans saying that, you know, Chad and Zach on, at Mile High Huddle have been, they've already put Drew Locke in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and so ridiculous. Uh, it couldn't, it be, really couldn't be further from the truth. It's, it's funny to see. I mean, because these same people, we don't really see them in the stream. 
Like we're not seeing them as much. Not to say that we don't get uh, dissent and we don't get good, you know, vibrant conversation and engagement in our live streams. But these same people, they don't come at us when we're live because then we could actually talk about it. We could suss it out. We could address the issues. Listen, no one here, even counting yesterday's game in Carolina, no one here is saying Drew Locke is the man. Book it. It's done. Guaranteed. We've never said that ever. All right. I think the closest we've gotten, Zach, is that we've said, and this is, I'll just speak for myself. The closest I've gotten is by saying the kid has franchise tools. I've been saying that since before he was drafted and he's just raw. He needs time. He needs to be developed. And then the most recent thing I said on the topic before the Panthers game was that if it were up to me, I'm the Broncos. I've invested this far. I've built the nest up to this point. I've put in the the effort and time and, and man hours to develop him up to this point. I'm giving him 2021. I don't see how that, Zach, can be interpreted as putting him in the Hall of Fame. I, I understand the tweet you're referencing because I want to answer it on Twitter because you might want to get your hearing checked. Whoever is the invisible pseudo hater out there listening to us, I said on last night's pod specifically, this doesn't make him the guy. This doesn't make him a pro bowler just as a loss didn't make him a bust or didn't make him not the guy. The truth is always somewhere in the middle. And we've been fairly balanced and objective with Locke, praising him where it's been warranted and criticizing him where it's been warranted as well. Yesterday happened to have been a really good game by a young quarterback. And when that young quarterback has been struggling the entire season, or most of it, he throws for four touchdowns, no picks, a passer rating above 149. After what Broncos country witnessed since Peyton Manning, the Simeons, Osweilers, Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, why wouldn't you want to see and enjoy and, and experience a young quarterback stepping up and taking ownership of that role? You can still be tentative and apprehensive about crowning him or going forward with Locke as the quarterback, but at least recognize it was a major step forward, a leap forward for a young quarterback, and it makes the Broncos better when he's better. It works hand in hand. I want you guys to take a look at something here and tell me if this is the mark of a, you know, a fool's goal, <clears throat> excuse me, or of a quarterback that is, you know, it's, it's not real, right? It's a Fugazi, Fugazi, however you want to pronounce it. Locke has career day against Panthers. Let me, let me read to you. I'll list it for those list, uh, listening. There are five quarterbacks in Broncos history, or I should say five single game performances by Broncos quarterbacks of 146 quarterback rating or greater. Two of the names on the list are Peyton Manning and John Elway, and the other one is Drew Locke. As you can see here, it was on Sunday, Drew Locke's 149.5 QB rating was the third highest single game rating for a Broncos quarterback ever. The only two that have done better was Peyton Manning back in 2014 in that San Francisco game where he threw touchdown number 509 to break the, the Brett Favre record. And then John Elway back in 95 against Arizona. I was actually at that game. With 156. So it goes Peyton Manning, 157.2, John Elway, 156, and then Drew Locke. Now, that could be, uh, you know, it's it's fair to say, Zach, that that could be an outlier. It could end up being a flash in the pan. But listen to me. It's not – do you realize how many things, Zach, have to go right in order to produce a game like this? Right. You talked about this on Twitter yesterday after the game, Zach, after we were done streaming – about because one of the arguments is well, but it was Carolina. They're a losing team. They don't have a great defense. But I I want to say on Twitter you said you talked about or you focused on some of the 
quarterback performances this year that have gone against Carolina, yep. it hasn't been pretty. That's a better defense than you think. And besides, even if it's one of the worst, it's the NFL. Right. Exactly. I, I don't care. Like I said yesterday, I don't care if it's Coastal Carolina or the Carolina Panthers, Chad. They held Justin Herbert to one touchdown, the Panthers defense. They shut out Matt Ryan. They shut out Matt Stafford. Those are two quarterbacks, by the way, including Stafford, who many Broncos fans want to replace Locke. This Panthers defense isn't the best, but they're hardly the worst either. And like Chad said, still getting paid to, they still were trying to win that game, and they gave their all. The Broncos were just better, and Locke was just better. He beat an NFL defense, and dare I say, with four passing touchdowns, uh, and that efficient passing, Chad, 280, 77.7% completion percentage. That almost 80% is ridiculously good at the NFL level. Again, it doesn't exonerate him. It doesn't prove anything one way or the other in a vacuum, in a singular bubble. This was a great effort by a young quarterback. That's all. I'm just trying to understand why so many Broncos fans seem to be almost upset that it happened. Is it because you had already turned the page Is it, and, and, and you are looking forward or hoping for the Broncos to take a quarterback top 10 in 2021? Is it a pride thing? that you ran your mouth so much, whether it be on social media, whether it be with your friends, your family, that now to go back on it, you don't want to do that. I don't know. But as Zach said, this isn't definitive. This is this doesn't you know close the book on Drew Locke. If anything, Zach, it just opens it wider. There's still so many questions around Drew. But I think the takeaway for fans coming out of this game is that you wanted to see the progress. You wanted to see the signs of development. Forget Pat Shermer. Forget Mike Shula. Forget Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. You wanted to see Drew Locke take actual quantifiable empirical steps forward, and he did that. So let's see if he what he can do in these final three games. And I'll tell you this. There's been a lot of fans, Zach, that have reached out to me and said, listen, I'll give him his props. You know, it's good to see. I'm, I was stoked to see it. If he can do it against Buffalo, though, then I'll be a believer. Yeah. But how many of those same people – if he does do it again against Buffalo, and it's probably, probably, you know, odds are look at how often a game like that is produced in Broncos history. He's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to be a, you know, an average Drew Locke game. But if he does, how many of those same people, if he produces again against Buffalo, are going to go, well, if he can close out the season, right. <laughs> it's just, you just keep kicking the can down yeah. the road. Just love what you have, accept what you have, be excited about what you saw because it was a rare performance. And it's just, look, crappy quarterbacks, can't do that okay they, they're not able to do that so this is when everything went right now it's on the coaches and locked it's got to keep pushing Zach but it's on the coaches to figure out how to manufacture similar that that same process so that he can continue to do it because they they were on to quite a few things in yesterday's game they got to keep that going I think it's indisputable to say that and I think you're spot on uh, the thing with the Buffalo and all the narratives about next week's game there's no such thing as a real test one week or the other. Every game is a real test for a young quarterback at the NFL level in his first full starting season, him being as inconsistent as he is. If he bombs next week's, it doesn't change the fact that he aced this past week's. They, they, everything is cumulative toward the end of the season. And to answer your previous question, Chad, why aren't people happy? It's because they have a narrative about Drew Locke. And that narrative, it happens in politics a lot. It happens on scopes well outside football. People have little boxes they create for certain things. And they will do everything in their power to justify and rationalize and excuse away facts and realities to fit inside that box. And if you don't fit inside that box, if you don't conform to that box, you are the outcast. You are at fault. You are the one who's in the wrong. 
It's closed-minded stuff when it comes to a quarterback. It's closed-minded stuff. It comes to any facet of life. Those of us with eyeballs and patience and a brain that functions can see he's going to take steps back. He's going to take steps forward. The key is consistency. But yesterday, in a singular game, was the most encouraging we've seen from Locke. I think that fact is a fact. It's not challengeable. For what it's worth, uh, I know there's uh, in, even a couple guys at MHH, they hate this, what I'm about to say, that quarterback wins. Wins are not a quarterback stat. But I'm still going to throw this out there, okay? Of the quarterbacks drafted in 2019 and 2020, there's only one quarterback today that has a winning record. His name is Drew Locke. So mm. how bad do you really have it? Those of you who've been eating your heart out over Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, you really are looking that gift horse in the mouth. We'll get more into it, Zach. Um, but we got to, as we're approaching uh, 11 minutes, or we got to get to some quick matters of business, starting with the sponsor of tonight's live stream pod. Yes, as always, tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you exclusively by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, listen up. As you well know, gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans just like yourselves. Sharp odds and low juice. In-house bookmakers are not a third-party service. They have reduced juice and the best prices you will find anywhere out there. Hassle-free bonuses with a one-time rollover. That means when you bet the money, the bonus is yours after you bet it one time. Whereas other sites, they make you bet it from five to 30 times to keep that rollover bonus money. Finally, 24-7 live customer support. When you contact sportsbetting.com, you are always getting a real live human being in the good old U.S. of A. Never someone overseas, never a robot, always a real live human. But here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, guys, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, guys, just a couple quick things. We'll dive right back in. Follow the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, the main account at milehighhuddle. Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Check out the merch store if you are of a mind to. Gentle reminder here for some reason it's not clicking. Uh, HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Get a hack at a t shirt. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. Also, shout out to our Facebook supporters. You guys have some really good things coming your way starting January 2021. Some content unique and dedicated only to our official Facebook supporters. If that's something you'd be interested in on Facebook as our community is growing over 91,000 on Facebook, click the big blue button on our page. You can become a supporter. You're in like Flynn. We appreciate it. If you're not in a position to do those things, we ask that you do these three things. All right. We just, we're just happy to have you with us either way. Just listening, just viewing, just being in the stream uh, is supporting what we're doing here. But we ask that you do these three things. Subscribe first and foremost, like this video on YouTube and Facebook. It's crucial. And then the litmus test is number three. If we're doing a good job for you, we might sometimes disagree. We might not always see every single issue eye to eye. But if you think we're doing a good job for you, share this video out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site. 
out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Man, it feels nice to celebrate a Broncos win. And what better way to do that than with Coors Hard Seltzer? Because this is not your average seltzer, gang. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy to make a difference, make an impact, be an activist, and never before has it been so enjoyable. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 80% of America's rivers, they're drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer, here's how it works, restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results, 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. You get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, or my favorite, grapefruit, and the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and Zach, it's only 90 calories. Man, Chad, I am hyped after a big quality Broncos victory. I'm celebrating with my Coors Hard Seltzer. I got my mango flavor. That's my personal favorite. Combining football and Coors Seltzer is the way to go for any football fan, Chad. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's really that simple. So Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Ridge Simpson with the Super Chat. Good to see you, my friend. Really appreciate that. He says, hey, fellas, sorry I've been gone a bit. Anyway, love Locke and have been rooting for his success all season. Need to see this consistency now. I still think we keep him going forward, but I like Trey Lance, though. Appreciate your Ridge. You know, here's the thing to keep in mind, all right? You got to throw out the New Orleans game because, he, A, he didn't play. 
Um, but it kind of interrupted his what modest momentum he built up. But Zach, following that first pick or the, the 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 pick on the first possession against Miami, Drew played a really good game against a winning team against the Dolphins and beat the Dolphins. Then in uh, Kansas City again throws a, a pick on the opening possession and then goes on until the final possession to play actually a pretty solid game, all things considered. Uh, you know, factoring in the quality of the opponent, all that stuff. And then he goes into Carolina and, you know, has a powerhouse performance. So I submit, Zach, and it might be a recency bias, but I submit that Locke has shown a trend. Has it hasn't been consistent? I'll just say he's shown a trend for improved play over his last three starts. So I'm with Ridge. I want to see him continue that in these final three games. You know how I think it's a tangible uh, show of progress is that he was just a fourth quarter quarterback uh, not too long ago against the Chargers. He was known as turning his game on in the fourth quarter. And then, like you mentioned, after the Dolphins game, that was a first quarter interception. Then he became, oh, he has to get the turnover out of his system before he settles down. Now what we saw yesterday was the full, what I can say and what you can say is a four-quarter performance by Locke and the Broncos. So, yeah, in that sense, I do think he's growing, and I do think he's taking a step forward in his development. But what's a boon for him and what's helping him is right play calling, Chad. Is Pat Shermer devising the right game plan and unlocking Drew, pun intended, to get the most out of his arm and most out of the Broncos' offense? So as long as that keeps moving down the right path, the proper path, you're going to see Locke take steps forward because, again, it all comes down to coaching. It's the simplest rule in the NFL. All right, let's uh, really quick before we grab the next super or comment here, we we got a – this is the Aftermath episode, and there is some collateral damage. Surprise, surprise for your Denver Broncos coming out of another game. We saw Duke Dawson leave early in uh, Carolina, turns out, torn ACL. Then we saw Tolliver who was, you know, the backup to the backup to the backup, leave the game as well, turns out ACL. The Broncos didn't have too many corners left. They got Devontae, Bo- uh, Devontae Bosby, they got Michael O.J. Mudia, and the the Hairston kid that they signed last week, that's it, dude. And then you mean. How, you, you had the article on this covering some of yeah. the some of the um, developments at Dove Valley today, Zach, but what what's your analysis and how do the Broncos move forward from here? I mean, look at the quarterbacks they have to face with this injury-marred secondary. They have Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. That's kind of a murderer's row considering the circumstances, and uh, you hit on it perfectly. It's Bosby and Ojemudia as the starters. You have Will Parks playing some cornerback, even though he's a natural safety. You have Hairston. I believe Elijah Holder can play some cornerback, but it's a really scary situation. Now you're down Boye, you're down Bassey, you're down Callahan, you're down Duke Dawson, you're down Tolliver. This, can we say they're hashtag cursed? In that cornerback corpse, you know, emphasis intended, Chad, I, it's, it's a really scary situation. They have no one in that back end. They're going to have to either bring some, someone up off the practice squad or sign someone just for depth. Will Parks was a godsend in Carolina, and I don't just mean because he had that great sack for a 16-yard loss, but, you know, he was a force. He was like a Swiss Army knife, similarly to how he was for Fangio last season, especially down the stretch. He literally picked up right where he, where he left off. But he's not. That's not his forte. Playing nickel corner is not his forte. You can get away with it here and there in a game. But if you rely on Will Parks to be a nickel corner, all right, to be that slot corner, it's going to end up coming back to to buy you in the rear end. Especially with you know, like right. in Buffalo, you're going up against right. a Cole Beasley who's a twitchy short area, fast short area twitchy. I mean, that's not Will Parks' forte unless he can get his hands on him early in the route. You know, and the right off the line of scrimmage, bump and run, jam him. 
But Will Parks, he's a physical guy. And if you ask him to do that on every single route, it's only a matter of time, Zach, where it gets a little grabby beyond that five-yard limit, and then the, the yellow laundry falls. So they got to bring someone else in. Uh, they have Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. He plays some uh, uh, slot as well. So that'd be a scary situation, Stephon Diggs versus Will Parks. But if if anything, this guarantees Bosby gets more playing time, and he never should have not gotten playing time. He should have always been ahead of Bassey, I think, on the depth chart, ahead of certainly ahead of Devontae Harris and Duke Dawson. He performed well. He had the game-clinching uh, pass breakup, Chad, in yesterday's game. He's always been a good scheme fit for Vic Fangio, and Fangio said in his press conference today he was impressed by Bosby, Bosby's game. So if there's a silver lining to this, we're going to see more big Bos energy in the weeks ahead. But it was a quintessential Fangio underhanded compliment because <laughs> as he compliments, he also disses Bosby for, you know, you let a few get completed underneath in front of him that he was kind of slow to react to. Real quick, JB, that is a luscious beard, my dog. I mean, you need some like beard oil or something, dude. That's that's a that's a luscious beard. Promo code huddle. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Um, let's grab Logan. John, appreciate the super chat, Logan. It's good to see you, my friend. He says, some of y'all still want to put Brett Rippon in. I don't know about that. I haven't seen too many calls for that. But, uh, Logan, thank you. Uh, Zach, you had an interesting story, though. Last night after after the game, Drew was asked about Brett and just kind of that relationship. And he talked about some of the advice he's, he's actually taken and accepted from his backup, Brett Rippon. Well, first of all, it, it, isn't it funny, Chad, how there's no calls for Rippon? There's no calls for Blake Bortles. There's no calls for another quarterback after Locke plays his game yesterday. But, you know, Coach Brett Rippon is inevitable at this point. This guy is just a mentor for Locke on the sideline. And he said to him, you're a special player, but you have to do your job. And doing your job entails taking what's in front of you and using that to set up the deep ball. He really brought Locke back down to earth yesterday and gave him some tough love, but perfect advice that worked out against the Panthers. They took what was in front of him around the line of scrimmage, high percentage completions, and it set up the deep balls to Hamler. That is how you run an offense, and that is how you quarterback against any defense in the NFL. Thank God, Chad. He, uh, Drew Locke has a mentor like Rippon compared to last year when Flacco was ignoring him. 
<laughs> yeah, I would definitely advise everyone head on over to milehighhuddle.com after tonight's stream and read this article because he does share some really interesting insights of the relationship that he has built with Brett Rippon. And you can tell it's not some kind of a subservient, you're my backup, how dare you dynamic. Oh, no. The opposite. These are this this is these are bros. And it's like, you know, it's it's like if your best friend pulls you aside and he's like, hey dude, uh, you know, the you know, you need to chill on this, or have you ever thought about maybe doing right. this instead of what you're doing? You might you might flare a little, but most of the time, if it's your bro or it's your big brother or something, you're gonna go, All right, I'll listen. And what's crazy about this, Zach, is that they came in together, right? They were rookies last year together. One got drafted high, you know, second round pick. One didn't get drafted. I think you're right that it kind of is a foreshadowing of, of Brett Rippon's ultimate destiny in, in coaching at some point, but it also shows you how much respect Drew has for Rippon's um, insight. Let me tell you something. I want that person to pull me over and say, listen, you're doing this wrong because that's a true friend. That's a true bro is to stop you before you embarrass yourself more or hurt yourself more or hurt your team more in this case. And Brett Rippon understands playing quarterback, obviously. He recognizes Drew Locke's talent, his physical talent, and he's trying to help him put it together mentally. It's too bad we can't put Brett Rippon's brain in Drew Locke's body. We'd have the perfect quarterback. All right, let's grab this super from the Broncos wizard. Mundungus Creevy jumping in. It's good to see you, Mike. Appreciate the super chat, as always, my brother. It's a little. He he says, Drew throws a good pass. Kelberman, great. Throw lock. Hold on. Let me do this. I got to do the emphasis right. Drew throws a good pass. Kelberman, great throw lock. He looks great. Drew throws a pick. Kelberman, Shermer's fault. And then he's got like a, you know, smiley, laughy face. Love you guys. Look, we love you too. And maybe sometimes, Mike, it comes off um, that, that, uh, we don't hold Drew accountable, but I think at the same time, that's also picking and choosing some of the things we've said because this season at, at dif- differing points when it's justified, we've been highly critical of Drew Locke, but more than just keep in mind, Mike, more than one thing can be true at the same time. Drew Locke at certain points in the season has sh- struggled terribly, and so has Pat Shermer to figure out how to help him. Yeah, Mike, you you watch enough podcasts. I think you know better than to have some blanket black and white statement or to try to put me in that narrative box that I won't fit in. It's been both. The the complicity lies with everyone involved in the Broncos offense, specifically Pat Shermer and Drew Locke, the quarterback and the coach. When they work well together, you saw what can happen yesterday. But go back and watch the Raiders, uh, the post-game Raiders podcast, the post-game Chiefs podcast. I am tearing into Locke. I said it was his worst performance. He has to be better. I even said he was starting to lose me not too many weeks ago. So I've been highly critical, and I always will be. I will give praise where it's warranted, and Chad and I will criticize where it's warranted. We will always call it like it is and never pander to one side of the aisle or the other. Eddie Vasquez. Jumping in. And by the way, one of the reasons for that, all right, is that we think he's got potential. Now, this is not a potential-based business, right? This is a the NFL's production-based business. At a certain point, it's incumbent on every young player, right, to convert that potential into production on the field. But you also have to have the perspective in terms of, you know, making sure your expectations are set correctly. Because, again, I think QB Envy has a lot to do, Zach, with how Broncos country so quickly turned on Drew Locke. I don't want to paint with too broad a strokes because it's not everybody, and it's probably not even a majority. But how that swath of Broncos country turned on him in large part has to do with, especially early in the season, seeing Kyler putting up volume uh, and, and winning games. And the same for Joe Burrow. Well, not really winning games, but then Justin Herbert and all that stuff. Not that really winning games. 
<laughs> not winning games as well. But that contrast, they go, and then they see Drew out there really struggling and you know inconsistent, disjointed, showing regression at times. And I understand why you go. Why can't we have that? These guys are coming straight out of the draft and doing this. Why can't Drew do that? But in the NFL, no situation is is exactly the same. No, it's like snowflakes. What do they say? No two snowflakes are exactly the same. No two human beings. It, it's really true. Every quarterback situation is unique in the NFL. And you can have a quarterback that's similar to another quarterback or or very similar to another quarterback, but they're never going to be two of the same situations. It's different circumstances, different times. Drew Locke was never going to be Chad. And I'll say this for the 20th time. He was never going to be the next Mahomes or the next Favre, the next Romo. He was always going to be the next Drew Locke, whatever that was. Eddie Vasquez jumping in. It's good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you. He says, at work, we'll listen fully when I get home. Thanks for always giving me something to look forward to. Love you, Chad and Zach. Hashtag hit that like button. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, Much Eddie. love to you, Eddie. Appreciate you, my dog. Um, Zach, there is also – all right, we'll talk about this now. Actually, hold on to that for just one second, John. I want to get this out of the way or else I'm just going to forget. Brandon McManus is going on the, the the CV reserve list because he is considered a close contact risk. So he, he was exposed to someone outside the building that is infected with the bug. And so just like what happened with Drew, what happened with Brett, what happened with Blake Bortles and with Shelby, they have to he has to go on the on the reserve list five days. All right. So you look ahead, right? This is a semi short week for the Broncos. They play on a Saturday uh, this week against the Bills. Does he have enough time? You got Tuesday, Zach, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mm. Saturday. If he tests negative, he's going to be good to go. But I want to remind everybody of something unfortunate. Shelby Harris, similar, close contact exposure, went into quarantine. Four days in a row, he was a negative. And then on that fifth day, walks in, ready to go right back into the building, and it's a positive. So as long as Brandon does continue to test negative each and every day between now and the game, he'll, he should be good to go. But that's why the Broncos brought in uh, Taylor Russellino or Russellino, uh, the former XFL kicker. Yeah, based on precedent, though, it's safe to assume the NFL is going to make the Broncos kick without a kicker on Saturday, right? You're going to rule all of them ineligible. Uh, let me just pose this out there. This doesn't really have to do with anything specifically, but is McManus annoying anyone else on Twitter? The kind of the way he refers to himself, and he he talks a lot of. I don't want to say trash, but he kind of talks a big game publicly and privately. The way he tweets, he holds himself in a very high regard. And it's like, dude, you just missed two extra points. It's like, can you do your job better before you act like you're this big, big shot? You're a kicker, a good kicker, but let's settle down a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being a Grinch this holiday No, season. listen, that's that's been that was one of my gripes with Brandon McManus for a long, long time. Uh, is that he was a little. Um, I don't know what's a, what's a, uppity, I guess, for for a kicker throwing his helmet, saying uh, passive aggressive, critical things about his head coach in uh, post game press conferences, things like that. And then, yeah, it's what's ironic about yesterday's performance for the kid McManus is that outside of one or two that he would want back, one missed from fifty, one missed extra point all year long, he's been money. You know, he set a new single season record for the most 50, uh, field goals made from fifty plus. You know, he's been having a Pro Bowl caliber. I'm not going to say he's he's been Pro Bowl this year, but a Pro Bowl caliber type of year. And then he goes into Carolina when his team needs him. He's just lucky. He's just lucky that those two missed extra points didn't ultimately come back to haunt them, although it very well could have. If the Panthers found a way to score on that final drive, Broncos would have been buried right. and it would have been at the feet of Brandon McManus. But 
What do we know about this kid real quick, Zach, that uh, that the Broncos brought in as a fail-safe? He's uh, Italian. Taylor. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yes, indeed. He He's from Louisiana, all right? Former XFL guy, former uh, AFL guy, former CFL guy, 31 years old, went to – here's everything I know about him right here in this paragraph. He's a 31-year-old, former XFL kicker for the St. Louis Battlehawks, a Louisiana native. Rosalino went to school at Millsaps College. He also played in the CFL and AFL. But, Zach, he's never played. He's never kicked in the NFL in a real game. And here's to hoping that that debut doesn't come anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough ask, though. Can you imagine if McManus can't play his first NFL game action is against the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, that's, that's a, not an easy uh, ask for a young kicker. But I think McManus will be okay. He said he plans to play Saturday for whatever that is worth. And listen, I see some comments. I'm not trying to trash him for being confident. It's just that he has, like a very high level of self-worth, and it seems like, and it's staggering to me how he thinks he can kind of speak for the Broncos' locker room at times. It's like, you're not the representative, you know, overall, I think, of how they feel. Well, in one sense, he is, though. If you think of, I don't mean to be the fly in the ointment, he is the NFLPA player rep for the Denver Broncos. Uh, but I so, mean, truthfully, maybe that's why, why he feels like he has, you know, a little bit more leeway maybe. to be a mouthpiece than what you see from most kickers traditionally. Maybe. I just I, I still don't, don't like it though. I don't like it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Let's see what else we got here, gang. Oh, all right. So we've been getting asked a lot about, hey, man, Natani Muti balled out of control in his NFL debut at right guard yesterday. Graham Glasgow, he's kind of been forgettable up to this point. The Broncos signed him four-year, $44 million deal. They're on the hook for for Glasgow this year and next year. We can look at the guaranteed money, but uh, it was encouraging to see Muti play well in uh, in a crisis type of situation where the team really needed to call on him, Zach. But do you really expect that to, to alter the equation up front when they're tied to Glasgow for basically through this and next year? Well, first of all, are we allowed to say that he played well? Or is that, you know, being an apologist for, for Tani Muti like we are a lock? Don't get it, uh, it don't was, get your head yourself, dude. It could have been an outlier. 
<laughs> yeah. Let's see him do it next week, see if he's consistent. I, I I was very encouraged, and I think he is the future at right guard. But like I mentioned yesterday, the, the way that Glasgow's uh, contract is structured, the Broncos are stuck with him next season. And I think he was always viewed as a multi-year uh, contributor or starter for Denver. But this season, man, I, I want to call it a wash, and I want to call it a lemon, Chad, because he wasn't even that good when he was on the field. And Muti came in, and he was stoning bodies, the line of scrimmage. They were moving people back and, and run blocking. I thought for his first big NFL game action, I thought he was very, very encouraging. This was always his his uh, his uh the rap on him. He was a good player when he was healthy. The problem is he wasn't healthy very often. So here's hoping he can stay off the trainer's table. I just want to take a look at this real quick um, over at our friends at Over the Cap. Here's Graham Glasgow's numbers real quick. So this year, of course, on the books, 2021, his cap number, he's got an $8,400 or eight, 8, $8.4 million base salary. His, his cap number is $12 million. If the Broncos were to cut him, it's a $17.4 million dead cap charge. Hmm. Here's how it gets worse. 2022, it's a little less painful, but if they were to move on from Glasgow, Zach, it's six million in dead money in 2022 and three million in dead money in 2023 because of the signing bonus he garnered, which was, uh, I'll tell you, let me, well, let me see here. Glasgow signed a four year contract worth 44 million. 26 million is guaranteed. So that's why you've got the dead money if you move on beyond 2020, uh, beyond 2021. Isn't the uh, the savings though for twenty twenty two? Isn't it like they they save more than they lose in dead money? Isn't it like two million dollar difference? Let's Eight take a six. quick look. We can all we can all follow along on this. So I believe I might be wrong. Here's how it shakes out. All right, twenty twenty one. So the, he would have on twenty twenty two. His cap number would be twelve million. So they would come out six million ahead if they were to cut him. Right. Right. Because the dead cap charge would be six million as opposed to his cap number of twelve million. And that would improve to a cap savings of 11 million the year prior. But it's still, you know, it's ironic because Zach, for the first five years of, I'll say the first six years of John Elway's front office uh, uh, regime, the Broncos were one of the top two or three best teams in the league when it comes to avoiding dead money. But in all these losing years post Super Bowl 50, they become one of the teams with the most dead money. And if, Things were to change with Glasgow. If they sour on him, or if he doesn't kind of turn the ship around, he would be another guy adding to that down the road. It's just um, when you think about the Broncos committed $51 million to Juwan James and $44 million to Graham Glasgow, $95 million overall, $58 million in guarantees between the two players, they've combined to play 13 games out of a possible uh, 29 now. So it's that right side of the offensive line for Denver next year with James and Glasgow, they are locked into those spots, starting spots, because of their salary alone. But that's the only reason, is they, they've drafted, the Broncos have drafted well on the left side, and they've kind of ignored the right side uh, with some of the recent moves uh, in the draft. I just I hope that Glasgow can pick it up, but he's looking like a Juwan James to me, Chad. He's not even available. When he is, he's not that impressive. Yeah, I really expected to see more from him in terms of just better play. I expected to see a more competent pro and he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been Luis Vasquez 2012, you know, given a big contract, a lucrative free agent deal goes on to produce an all pro year in year one going justifying that, that contract. And then even 2013, you know, he he started getting banged up in those ensuing years a little bit. Did Luis Vasquez, but 2015, man, him and Evan Mathis is that guard tandem. He played a little right tackle in between. He was just a lunch pail 
whatever they needed guy. And the Broncos more than got their money's worth out of Lewis Vasquez. They're not getting that up to this point with Glasgow, but there's time to turn the ship around. Now, John, you had that question. I didn't see who it was from uh, about, well, couldn't he play other positions? Yeah, you could move Glasgow to center. You could put, put him at center, but then you're giving up on a highly drafted uh, Lloyd Cushenberry who has finally started to show some signs of progress. I don't love that idea. I don't either. And then you open up a hole at right guard. Okay, you put Moody in there, but what if he gets injured? Then you're right back into square one. The Broncos signed him to be a right guard. That's why they drafted a pure center in Cushenberry. So it's either he succeeds next year at right guard or he's shown the door in 2022. The, the, the takeaway here is the Broncos are stuck with Glasgow, just like Juwan James next season. All right, let me see what else we got here in the stream from Dennis Woods. Rocking the dad hat, the MHH dad hat like a boss. Good to see you, and thank you, Dennis. He says, give him, talking about Locke, a full offseason, training camp, reps, coaching, preseason, etc. If he doesn't do well in 2021, I'll consider bringing in a different quarterback. I agree. I really do. I mean, and as you guys know, I said that last week before the Panthers game. I'm inclined to give Drew Locke 2021, double down, if you will, in terms of, look, John Elway went to bat building the nest last season, not only uh, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler in picks one and two, but Albert Okwe Boonham uh, in the fourth round. Drew was involved in that pick. Elway called him and got his insight, got some advice on, on the player before he made the pick. Then you look at free agency, bringing in Graham Glasgow, bringing in Nick Vanette, you know, the, the whole point was to build around Drew. And then the pandemic came in and, and basically crushed what opportunity was there for him to get on the same page with all his new supporting cast sack and all, you know, the new scheme. So I want to see that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm conflicted. I have not been impressed with Shermer, but I wonder if you don't end up cutting off your nose to spite your own face, if you relieve him of duties at the end of the season, because Drew Locke needs some kind of consistency and we're never going to know how he could do uh, consistent you know, in that vein of being consistent. If you don't give him consistent coaching, consistent scheme. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they can build on what we saw yesterday, then Pat Shermer and Drew Locke could be a pairing that works for the future, not just this season. I want to say, and uh, it's a certainty that Locke is on the roster next season, whether he starts all 16 games or how many games the Broncos play next year, I do not know that, but I think he'll be given the first dibs at starting quarterback. They'll have a better backup on the roster, either through the draft or a free agency or uh, a trade. It's going to be Locke's, it's going to be tilted in his favor. It's it's the what ifs. What could have been this year with a full supporting cast? What could have been this year without a ruined offseason? What could have been this year with a full slate of reps? If he can show development the next three games to close out the season, I think that will assuage the Broncos' doubts about Shermer and the future, and they will go into next season with the same setup they have now. All right, we got a super coming in from Big Kevin. KP in the house, one of our superstars in our community. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, it took Baker three years. Seems like he gets it now. Two offensive coordinators and playbooks for three not to mention the injuries many wanted to cut bowls to and now look. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you say, like, look, look at how long it took John Elway to figure things out, or look, Peyton Manning, or this quarterback, or that quarterback. You can do that, and you can relate it to, you know, the Garrett Bowles thing, how patient the Broncos were there, and it finally paid some dividends. But that's really more of an apples-to-oranges comparison in terms of quarterback to left tackle. Right. It's unfortunate. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. 
but quarterbacks have a different set of expectations placed upon them in this league, which is you got to, even if you don't hit the ground running, even if you're not uh, Andrew Luck straight out of the box onto the field and, and just setting the NFL on fire, you have to, within a pretty relatively short span of time, show clear signs of being on that path, clear signs of being on that uh, you know progression track, if you will. And Zach, he did that last year, right? He comes in and you know leads the Broncos to a four and one finish, plays really really well, seven to three touchdown to interception ratio and all that. And then this year, because of all these weird outlying factors and mitigating problems, it's it's this. And Drew's just kind of lost in the in the roller coaster, so to speak. So if he can really show those like he did in Carolina, if he and you know, like I said earlier, I'm going to take it all the way back to Miami, starting in my in the Miami game to the end of the season. If each game he just continues to build on it and show progress, that's what it means to to say, hey, I'm a young guy, and I'm showing progress towards the ultimate goal, which is proving that I can be the future franchise guy, that I'm the answer at the at the quarterback position. And Zach, he hasn't proved that yet, but he's got to continue to show evidence toward that in order to get the benefit of the doubt from fans and from the team. I still think the team is locked in on him for 2021. No pun intended. I agree with you. I just, this, the comparison to Baker Mayfield's always thrown me off because Baker was the number one overall draft pick. I mean, Locke was a second round pick 42 overall. It's, it's a much different ball game, but let me ask you guys a question. What's the reason Baker looked so bad last year under Freddie kitchens. Is that his name? I forgot the mm-hmm. name of the Browns coach. Yep. And what's the reason he looks so good this year under Kevin Stefanski. It's coaching. Kevin Stefanski is a rookie coach. He had no offseason either. He lost the same amount of reps that Shermer lost with Locke. And look what he's, they're nine and three this year or whatever they are. Uh, they're going to be, you know, 10 and three after tonight. They're playing really good ball because they simple, simplified things for Baker Mayfield and they play to his strengths. He lost Odell Beckham this year. It's like losing Cortland Sutton. It's a number one receiver. Yet he's still trucked on. That team is still winning. They win with the running game and they use that to set up the pass. So it all comes down to coaching. If Locke is coached the right way and they maximize his talent, good things can happen like we saw yesterday. From our friend Jeremy, a.k.a. Black Knight 232, he says, here's my two cents on this. If Locke does the exact same thing in the Bills game, then that's great. However, if the Broncos win but Locke looks bad, then it was just a lightning in a bottle. Listen, if the Broncos beat the Bills – it's not going to be because Drew Locke p- played bad, just for what it's worth. But still, the premise is I, I still I can't quite get on board with that, Zach, because no. you know at this stage you take what you can get from your young quarterback as he's developing. You want to see him show c- constant progress, but you can't expect him to be perfect 24-7. And meanwhile, you've got the coach still trying to kind of figure out the best way to groove with this dude when he didn't have 14, 1,600 reps in, in the offseason. I think you're going to continue to see, even against a really good Bills defense, lock trend in that direction because they've gotten all these reps now throughout the season. And unfortunately, it was live bullet reps where the games counted and all that stuff. But all the reps they missed out on early, now they've got them under their belt. And where they're at now is probably where they would have been like week three, week four, if they would have had a real offseason. And I think you're going to continue to see him build on that against the Bills. This is what I was saying earlier, though. I mean, why is the real test coming against Buffalo? Why wasn't a test coming against Carolina yesterday? And if he has a bad game against Buffalo, it doesn't change what he did against Carolina. It, it, it's those two things never work hand in hand. He can't be 
judge from one week to another. You have to take the full body of work at the end of the year and make your opinion, just like the Broncos will, on Locke as the quarterback of the future. It's it's a game-by-game progression with him. If they go out and bomb, if he fails his test against Buffalo, it doesn't change the good that he's done this season. It doesn't make him a bust. If they go out and, Chad, you nailed it. If they win this week, it's because Locke stepped up and he made plays to combat Josh Allen. If he wins this week, it doesn't necessarily mean he's a, he's the guy or he's the face of the franchise. It's too reactionary. And maybe, Chad, you and I are just gray people. We're not black and white kind of people. We're a little more realistic than, than idealistic. But I don't see Locke as, oh, good, good, bad Good, bad, good, bad, good, Drew, bad, Drew. It's really the process of a young quarterback. You're going to see some good, some bad, some bad, some good. It's not a, a clear pattern and not a clear path you can follow game by game. A big part of it, too, is trying to divine how the Broncos view this. And I submit to you, based on everything I've been told, reading the tea leaves, reading between the lines of what John Elway has said, Vic Fangio throughout the year, they have kept this entire thing as disappointing as being at five and eight heading into you know week 15 is they've kept this entire thing in perspective, understanding these, the unique hurdles that Locke and Shermer and the entire offense and the team, frankly, have had to overcome this year and they're not overreacting. And maybe, you know, if there was a different ownership situation, it might be different in terms of how they would ultimately view Drew, but I think they've kind of stayed the course and that's never really wavered. They might've at some point had a few doubts and have had some concerns and, you know, a little hand wringing behind closed doors and a little pounding of head against the wall at times. But I think overall from a macro sense, John Elway, Vic Fangio, the football decision makers in Denver have never really, you know, they're not as up and down as fans are fans live and die by the game to game. And that they kind of live and die more on the uh, year to year type of basis. Uh, Mohammed jumping in, with a very generous super, our MHH male model, rocking the trucker hat, rocking the, the hoodie like a boss. Appreciate you, my friend. You, he says, finally, the kids are going to bed. I can enjoy the podcast. I feel you, dude. I know exactly how it goes. Hopefully you are enjoying, though, Mahabin. Thank you for uh, stopping in tonight. Good to see you. All right, we're sitting here at 45 minutes. we got a little time left here. Lawrence Rivera jumping in with a super. Thank you, my friend. It's good to see you. And, Lawrence, if you're on Twitter – Reach out and connect. Shout out uh, to, to Zach and I so we can connect with you and shout you out after these 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 shows. Because I try to find you on Twitter after, you know, you've been really active on Super Chat the last few weeks, and, and I just I can't find you. So if you're on Twitter, reach out. Let us know who you are. But he says, I don't know. I think it's just me, but no way did Locke's performance look as good as Manning's or Elway's 158.3 rating games. Manning literally went two drives without an incompletion. It's insane how he got to 158.3. And Zach, I'll, I'll somewhat agree with Lawrence in that for those of you that were with us in the halftime stream yesterday in the rapid reaction, I was like, hey, man, more good than bad. But early on, Drew still kind of feels a little disjointed. But then in the second half, man, he just turned it on and played. He just took it to another level. And that's what you've been wanting to see because it's not like, Zach, he was – uh, devoid of you know, void of production in the first half. He did produce in the first half, but then he took it to another level in the second half. You want to see that from your young quarterback. This is this takes it to a new level for me in terms of lock criticism. Uh, it, now it's bad because his rating wasn't perfect. His one forty nine rating wasn't good enough. He has to be a one fifty eight point three. He has to have the same rating as Peyton did or Elway did. He has to throw 
you know, not any incompletions. You know, having four touchdowns, 77% passing, that's not good enough, Chad. He has to go with the full Monty. Let the young quarterback be a young quarterback. Let Drew Locke be Locke and not Drew Elway or Drew Manning. All right, John. I'm not sure where we're at on the stream. I can look on the on the back end here. Um, Clifton Harris says, Locke is a young Andy Dalton. He's decent. Good enough to get us to a 9-7 and seven record at best, but not good enough to dethrone Patrick Mahomes. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I think that – I mean, you can make the comparison because Andy was a second-round pick in his day. But I think if what you saw in, in – uh, Carolina is a glimpse at what the potential. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. This offense has, regardless of opponent, if you get enough time on task, you get Pat Shermer and Drew Locke fully sharing a brain we know the weapons are there. That's why we were, everyone was so excited about 2020 because they, I mean, it was build the nest, Cortland, Fant. I mean, they did that yesterday without Cortland, without Fant. This is an offense that is going to be built with Drew as the trigger man to compete with anybody at a certain point, but it's still in the developmental process in terms of not just Drew the player, but the quarterback coach relationship. It's going to take more time to get on that level. But I, I'm not removing that as a possibility as Clifton is not good enough to dethrone Mahomes. So you're telling me if Drew Locke produces at that level yesterday against Carolina in a Chiefs game, that that wouldn't have been good enough. You think Mahomes, maybe Mahomes would have found a way at the end where Bridgewater, you know, got swallowed up on fourth down that pass and, you know, Devontae Bosby swoops in and makes a tackle and ends their bid. Maybe Pat Mahomes finds a way to get that drive and they end up losing. But I think you saw in that game, Zach, in week 13 in Kansas City, as this team continues to still kind of find itself and the QB and the OC get on the same page, 
that was a competitive game against the Chiefs. And I know that's not what you hang your hat on, but they they bridged a big portion of that gap against the Chiefs. Guess who, you know, Locke had a higher quarterback rating then? Patrick Mahomes. I'm just just throwing it out there and just saying that, you know, he he played really, really well yesterday. But take it from me. I've I've been forced, unfortunately, to have to watch Andy Dalton this season. Locke is not Andy Dalton. A- Andy Dalton wishes for Locke's arm talent. He wishes for Locke's arm strength. He is, he's always really been a game manager. He's been like a souped up version of Alex Smith. Please don't compare Drew Locke to Andy Dalton. Any, you know, Sam Darnold, that's an okay comparison. You know, th- those loose comparisons, not Andy Dalton. That guy is vanilla. And, and, you know, Drew Locke is like cookies, cookies and cream. It's two different, two different concepts. Mundunga says, it's just a joke. Easy, big fella. I think it's funny when you rip into Shermer. That's all. We, we got you, dog. It's all good. Uh, Joshua jumping in to say, good evening to you all, uh, beautiful Denver Broncos fans. I'm living on cloud nine with that win yesterday, as you should be. Good for you, Josh. You, you should be stoked, my friend. Uh, Kenneth Booker, superstar. Love you, buddy. Um, your mug is coming, dude. I promise you. I just had to put in a new order. That's that's all I could do. It ended up getting shipped to South Korea. My fault. It was an input error put in the order. So according to the third party provider, anyway, I'm, I'm still skeptical, but it is what it is. He says in, uh, is this the blueprint short passes? Look for the occasional deep shot. I also liked when he rolled out, if it wasn't there, he took the five yard run. Yes. It's the blueprint. Let me tell you the blueprint with drew. The blueprint is, and this is what he's been missing so much for a good portion of this season. Zach, it's run the ball. Naked boot, set up the play action. When it's not there, take what the defense gives you. When it is there, take your shot. If you do that, not every opponent's going to allow you to have two deep strikes that result in big touchdowns. But if you set it up that way and you balance, that's why I like Fangio when he's talking about, hey, what's your idea of the, the ideal offense? He, he brings out the word balance, but he doesn't talk about it in the way that fans or media might think in terms of run-pass ratio. He's talking about, all right, run-pass ratio. But what are you doing in the run game? And how are you setting that up, uh, setting up the pass game through the run game and vice versa? There are multiple levels of analysis when Fangio starts talking about a balanced offense. And you saw that yesterday. That was the blueprint. It's there. And it's not just because Shermer finally pulled his head out. Okay. Drew also really showed progress in pulling his head out, so to speak. Can't go broke taking the profit. Right. That's one of the, the phrases he uses. And finally, you saw that, Zach, out on the field, that ethos, that philosophy. You saw him embody that. That's what's more than encouraging, I think, if you're a Broncos fan. I love that uh, expression. That's that's so great, and it's so true. And what we saw from Locke yesterday, especially on the first Hamler touchdown, Chad, he audibled that play. He audible at the line of scrimmage. He recognized protection. He recognized the defense, and he cycled through his reads. Half the time yesterday, they were in his first read. He was going through and scanning the field like a proper quarterback, and it just seemed like the intensity was turned up this week from a coaching and playing standpoint. It's like Pat Shermer and Mike Shula sat locked down and coached it into him what he has to do against the Panthers' defense, and they executed perfectly. That's what we want to see from Locke going forward. It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple stuff. Mr. Castillo jumping in. Good to see you, my friend, and thank you for the super he says Locke has looked really good against subpar defenses with the Bills being the best of the last three. Really need to see him perform at the top level against a top defense. Hey, man, I agree. The, the competition is 
serious this week. Not that it wasn't last week against the Panthers, but you know, this is, I guess you could say an elite opponent, at least one of the better teams in the AFC. So yeah, this is going to be a stiff test for him. But if, if he again goes into this game with that mentality of can't go broke, taking a profit, you don't have to push the ball down the field every time. If the play breaks down and you break the pocket, you don't always have to look for the Mahomesian deep strike. Take what the defense gives you, and if it's not there, throw it away. One of the greatest uh, improvements we saw from Drew yesterday, Zach, was no interceptions, A, and no just boneheaded throws that were almost picked where you're like, what was he seeing there? Like he he played a really balanced and measured game, showed poise, showed discernment, good decision-making. And if he goes, if he plays like that, he can beat any opponent. Like it's going to be there for the taking. It's just a matter of making sure – what you saw in Carolina was not a flash in the pan. You don't want to see one quarter of that type of performance only to see him fade in quarters two, three, or four, or vice versa. You want to see him sustain that consistently. And I think if he, if, if he, even in a conservative sense, Zach, you take what the defense gives you, you check it down when it's not there. You know, maybe you won't go all the way till the fourth quarter when you have your first three and out. But this team, the way the defense is, you, as long as you don't turn the ball over, regardless of opponent. The Broncos right. will have a chance to win every single game in the fourth quarter. He also completed passes to eight different receivers. He only took one sack. I mean, he played as close to a flawless Drew Lock game as you will see him play uh, at this stage of his career. But here's the double standard, and here's the hypocrisy when it comes to Lock derangement syndrome, those afflicted by it. The win against the Panthers means nothing, but a loss against Buffalo would mean everything. That's what I don't understand. Every game is unique. Every circumstance is unique. Just because even if they go out and he throws three picks against Buffalo, it does not change the steps that he took. It does not mean he went back permanently. It's a young quarterback going through the ebbs and the flows. But, Chad, like we always say, they don't have to win the game for it to be a success. If they hang in there against Buffalo, if he makes some nice throws, if he continues to develop as the leader of the offense and as the quarterback of the Broncos, that will be enough for me, win or lose. I'm really curious to see what his talking points and just kind of overall energy is on Wednesday because last Wednesday he's like, hey, you're going to see a big jump from us in Carolina, and, sh- and it came out in the wash, and I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what his tonality is on Wednesday. Paul says, with my reservations long-term with Locke, I'd rather go with him over Stafford and Ryan, et cetera. And you should because even though he's not as proven as either of those guys up to this point, there's no upside really with either of those right. guys. You're, right. you're going back to, you know, um, beating your head against the wall with we're one middle of the road, washed up quarterback away from winning at all. You're not that team. And you weren't that team even in 2015. If you don't have Peyton Manning, come back into the equation week 17 for the playoff runs next, you don't win the Super Bowl. And that, that means you needed the Hall of Fame quarterback to get you over the hump. It's so funny to me, too, because some Broncos fans or Locke haters think that Locke is injury prone. But yet, guess who I see every week with a new injury? Matt Stafford. I mean, even today he missed practice and now he might not play. I don't want that guy in my team. I would go with the young, gritty quarterback who has upside and a potential future over Stafford, who his prime has passed him by. I think he's mostly a ruined quarterback at this stage of his career. And like you hit on it. There's no future with Matt Ryan. There's no future with Matt Stafford. There's no future with any of these band-aid quarterbacks. You have to build from within. Draft your guy, develop your guy, and win with your guy. Kenneth says, uh, and thank you for the super chat, my friend. I would never say Sly is annoying. He scares me. LOL. Dude, that kickoff 
in, in which they faked the onside kind of and ended up pooching it right there. The stop, Perfect. the ball just stopped on the two. That was, that was impressive. Uh, from Fronty Pro 4X on YouTube, Chad and Zach, what would happen if Locke bombs the last three games? Would Elway be looking to draft a quarterback? Your guys' thoughts. So if Drew bombs, and I, I guess you got to define bombs, but let's just say, you know, more interceptions than touchdowns, Broncos lose all three. I think it's a conversation. They got to decide how they prioritize the quarterback position in 2021. But I still think this this is a team that is inclined from the front office perspective to give Drew 2021, depending on how he finishes this season, might alter Zach, not necessarily what they do in round one or two, but what they might do in free agency in terms of bringing in a more established veteran to kind of not only kind of mentor lock, but kind of be that unspoken threat of, look, dude, we, we've got a guy that we can trust. If you're sucking it up in the second quarter, we'll pull you. This guy will go in. We'll, we'll, we'll two you, right? We'll bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick out of nowhere and you'll disappear into the, into the mist. What Broncos fans don't seem to understand though, is that Elway and the front office, they want lock to succeed. They don't want to have to draft another young quarterback. They don't want to have to restart this process all over again. There's a reason why Elway made Locke the guy, that the veteran quarterback Buck stopped with Drew Locke. There's a reason for that. Elway was very high and remains very high on Locke as a quarterbacking prospect, and he's not going to just dump him after one injury and pandemic-ruined season. So I'm with you. I think the inclination is to have Locke be the starter next season, Though my own preface is it's not going to be handed to him completely. He's not going to be grandfathered in. You're not going to have a sham of a backup like a Jeff Driscoll or Blake Bortles. He will bring in a young quarterback. Could it be a Mac Jones, though, in the second or third round versus a Zach Wilson in the first round? That might be the direction to go. But Locke will be on the roster and more than likely under center next September. All right, we uh, are approaching the one-hour mark, so we got to rapid-fire these remaining supers. We love each and every one of you. We're never going to leave you out in the cold. DH3, my dog, I'm glad to see you here tonight. Thank you for the super chat because I wanted to give you some props, my friend. I'm trying to remember what article it was. Oh, it was the uh, Jerry Judy one when I, when I came up with the uh, footballer's serenity prayer. If you guys want, I, I can find that if you want, but DH3 didn't like that. And uh, he took exception to something I said on one of the articles covering Jerry Judy's little, you know, media storm last week. But DH3, I just wanted to give you props, dude, because you, like so many of our great listeners, are going to milehighhuddle.com to help keep the conversation going. And I love seeing it, man. And it's good. If, if it's disagreement, if you think something I said was you know, uh, poor taste or you disagree with the take, I want to hear that. And so I wanted to give you props and, and give you a little love because I did reply to you. I don't know if you saw that, but I, I just wanted to give you some props for that. He says, good evening. How do you both now feel about Melvin Gordon? He has really turned it on as of late. Lindsay deserves to be paid, but I think elsewhere. Well, he might end up getting paid elsewhere, but DH3, let's talk about Melvin Gordon because, Zach, we also learned today that his court case on the DUI isn't going to be settled until January, which means he's going to play out all of 2020. At least that's the way it's looking. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, We, we saw some other uh, comments I did anyway on YouTube about when are these guys going to admit they were wrong about Melvin Gordon? I don't know how many times we have to say it on this podcast that, you know, he's outkicked the the coverage at times this year. He's really been more than I expected him to be. I'm speaking specifically of the, the Jets game. I'm yeah. speaking specifically of the last two games, 
But aside from that, he's kind of just been okay, but I still don't love the contract. Nothing he's done so far this year makes right. me go, all right, I can live with that contract a little bit more. But that doesn't mean I can't give him his props. The last two games, as I, I put him in the winner's column last night in the winners and losers article, Zach, and I said he's been the rock of Gibraltar for Drew Locke these last two games. You, get, you love seeing it because it also coincides with Philip Lindsay not looking like himself out there as he tries to kind of rebound from that knee injury. You know, I mean, we're addressing another Melvin Gordon criticism, pushback kind of question. An $8 million a year running back should produce like Christian McCaffrey healthy or Derrick Henry. And can any of you look me in the eye and tell me that Melvin Gordon has been Derrick Henry out there on the field? No, he's done some nice things for sure. He's been uh, at times the workhorse the Broncos signed him to be, but he's also fumbled four times. He's also gotten outshined by Philip Lindsay at times. And the Broncos aren't even using Lindsay the correct way in their scheme. So has he been good for this offense? Yes. Has he been an asset? Yes. Has he been great or excellent? I would stop short of that. As he Has he been an $8 million a year running back in this day and age? I would stop short of that. Good player, not necessarily I'm going to go out of my way to praise. For what it's worth, Kathy, just FYI, my phone. I like to keep my phone on when we stream because uh, I got a staff of writers that are doing things and sometimes they're texting me and stuff. And I don't like keeping it on on my desk because it will buzz and you might hear it. So I keep it right in between. Sometimes it buzzes and I got to look and see what it was. But that's what it might. What are you digging for there, Chad? Um, all right, Stu, love you, bro. Zeus McPeak, week in, week out, day in, day out. He is MHH Mount Rushmore face number one up there. Superstar, we love you, Zeus. Uh, we're running out of time here, Kenneth Booker. As we rapid fire, um, he says thoughts on. Thoughts on Buffalo uh, OC as a head coach. Hashtag Korea state of being <laughs> out there Korea with Kim Jong Un. Yeah, um, I'm telling you, um, Kenneth. I'm gonna I'll, I'll DM you after this, and uh, we'll talk about the snafu that was. So anyway, your thoughts, Zach? Brian Dayball has done an incredible job transforming Josh Allen into the pastor he is now. And I always laud the coaches, and and Dayball has proven to be the the single biggest factor in, in Allen's transformation. The thing with Dayball, though, is this: is he a flash in the pan? Is he just a one-time wonder? He was with the Jets a uh, few years back, not too long ago, before the Bills, I believe. He wasn't really great there. I mean, he was dumped by the Jets. When you're dumped by them, that's your low point. But he's done great work in Buffalo. He will get a head coaching shot. I just don't think he's going to be in the cycle where the Broncos are going to be hiring. So. Jesse Randolph jumping in. Thank you for the super chat, Jesse. And we uh, don't recognize your your name, so welcome and thank welcome. you. Make sure you, you connect with us on Twitter so that we can uh, shout you out and keep the conversation going. But he says, I'm a Bronco fan living in New England. McManus gave me a Pats uh, loss single-footedly. Nothing better than spite wins. I forgave him right away. Love the show. That's true, man. McManus, and that's one of the things is I've been – if you, I mean, those of you who've been with us, most of you have throughout this entire season, but I opened up this this year being very skeptical of the contract the Broncos, the extension the Broncos gave McManus because I felt like his last two years were kind of lackluster. And then he proceeded to just be a weapon, man. That old McManus, the McMoney that we had seen, I mean, single six field goals on the road against New England, nails right. every single one, a couple of them from 50. And for the most part, all season long, he's been money, which was what made last uh, – which. Sundays, you know, two missed extra points, so out of character. But it still doesn't take away from I don't like some of his persona and some of his, yeah. his you know, it, it kind of gets – it's like a burr under the saddle. But it's 
it's not going to ruin my day. I do like single footedly though. That's a new yes, one. That's very creative. One, um, our friend Adon jumping in. Good to see you on YouTube. A six foot ten Mexican. He says, "Drew Locke, are you really six foot ten? By the way, um, Drew Locke is turning into Drew Locke. Hashtag MHH. Hashtag MHRT. Indeed, he's he's forging his own path. He's finding his own way. <laughs> Mind blown, faux show." Um, Mundungus jumps in again. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you. He says, first round pick, corner, off-ball linebacker, defensive end, or tackle, just in case the hairless wonder gets a paper cut. Um, I'm still feeling corner, man, especially with all these injuries, dude. I'm feeling corner in round one. I'm not taking a defensive end. I, I really don't subscribe to the Broncos needing an edge rusher in the first round, so I'm going to eliminate that. Um, you can say tackle for sure, or offensive lineman, but – Cornerback, given the state of, of, of the secondary, Boye might not be there. Callahan is up in the air now. You have Ojemudia. Bosby might be gone. I'm taking a corner, but I salivate thinking, Chad, about Micah Parsons and the Denver defense. I mean, wow, that would be amazing. Agreed. And that seems like it's the one thing that's been missing from Fangio's defense in Denver to kind of take it to that Chicago or San Francisco level right. is that uber-athletic playmaking sideline-to-sideline linebacker. Our friend Larry, Broncos fan, number 24 on YouTube, longtime listener, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you, by the way. He says, I said it a few weeks ago. I want to see the Broncos win because of him. And if they lose, it's not because of Drew, is what he's saying. That's growth. That's good point. Love you guys. Fair. Hey, fair point, my friend. It's, it's true. And the Broncos, we were saying last uh, yesterday, Chad, they won because of his arm. They didn't win in spite of Drew Locke. And that's what, as Broncos fans and Broncos media, it's all we want to see. Larry says with another super, and thank you, my friend, uh, Stafford scored a whopping zero points against the same Panthers defense mm-hmm. two weeks ago. That's why it's like, look, you can dismiss the Panthers at four and eight, but it's the NFL, man. And they've made some veteran quarterbacks some of whom there are portions of Broncos country you've been pining for in 2021. Like, man, if we could get Matt Ryan in Denver, if we could get Matt Stafford, those two same, that, that same defense made those two quarterbacks look like schmucks. So <laughs> good word. Yeah. Detroit, Detroit was actually shut out in that game. Matt uh, Ryan in Atlanta, he was held without a touchdown pass. Uh, Herbert was held to one touchdown pass by Carolina. And didn't the Panthers beat the Seahawks, if I remember correctly? So they're not exactly that bad. They're not, you know, this high school level peewee joke franchise. It's an NFL team. Dennis Woods jumping in again. Thank you, my friend. He says, Shermer needs to call a good game as well versus the Bills. I agree, but you know what? Look, the the Kansas City game was just, you know, it's Kansas City. I still think it was signs of Shermer taking a step forward, but my similar to Locke, and it's no coincidence. Again, I don't believe in coincidence. Locke played better in Miami because the game plan from Shermer was improved. The Broncos were able to kind of keep up with and com- and make it competitive against Kansas City because Locke played better after you know one bad interception to open and because Shermer schemed better, and the same goes for the Panthers game. So we're with you on that, Dennis. I'll take it a step further, though. The offensive line has to have a good game. I know the, the, the receivers have to catch their passes. The running backs have to make their runs. It's never just one factor or another. It's an entire operation. There's 11 people on the field. There's several coaches on the sideline up in the booth. It's an entire orchestra. It's a concert. And when one instrument is broken, the entire thing is off tune. The ultimate team sport, baby. Manny Wise, longtime listener, longtime superstar. It's good to see you, Manny. 
Jumping in, appreciate you. He says, Locke and the Broncos took advantage of a Panthers weakness on defense, which is the passing game. Great to see. True. Eric Trickle, he pointed to Jerry Judy as the rookie to watch in week 14 against the Panthers, and his premise was 100% on the money. It ended up being a different rookie, K.J. Hamler, but the premise proved true, and that was that the Panthers were weak at corner, and you saw that come out in, in, in the wash in a big, bad way, not only with K.J. Hamler's two big plays, but just overall in the passing game, the Broncos were able to really feast on them. I still want to see Jerry Judy get, you know, for Locke to find a way to get him more involved and for Shermer to find a way to get Judy more involved. But, you know, with the way this season has gone, Zach, beggars can't be choosers. I think Razul Douglas, though, in Carolina is still having nightmares about KJ Hamler. He got roasted twice. And I said this yesterday, it seemed like for once, and I said it tonight, that the, the, Broncos specifically game plan for Carolina's defense. It seemed like for once the Broncos coaches and Pat Shermer, they had a specific game plan to attack an opponent's weakness. And when you devise something like that and then call plays in the game to your quarterback strengths, four touchdowns, 77% completion percentage and a victory. That's what happens. Judah Walker jumping in. Thank you, Judah. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter so that we can shout you out after this show. He says, how does a backup quarterback help lock? Won't that hurt Rippon's spot? So I think he's talking about bringing in like a veteran next year. I'm not convinced they're going to do that for sure. They probably will because Jeff Driscoll, if that's your fail safes, fail safe. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, we saw earlier this year, that ain't good. Um, but I, I still think the Broncos are a lot more inclined to roll with Locke and Rippon as the guys in 2021. And then take someone in the middle rounds, which is what I would do. You know, maybe a Mac Jones in the third round. Then you have Locke is a veteran by this point now, and so is Brett Rippon by next season. So you have two veteran type players. You have a young rookie on your roster who maybe you have something and maybe you don't. You can develop, and then you're youthful at that position. And also, you're not wasting money. If you bring in a veteran like a Fitzpatrick or maybe a Carson Wentz, you're paying at least what ten million a year, whereas a rookie would be a million dollars a year. It's a much big difference when the Broncos have to pay a lot of players on the roster next season. Uh, BD, our friend Bradley jumping in with a question for Zach. He says, I like the team chemistry. Zach, did you see how Drew Locke was talking up his receivers in the O-line between series? Good signs. Because he's a leader, Chad, and this is the intangible quality we all saw about Locke last year, this offseason, marching with them, and he really took ownership of that position, and everyone around him respects him. That's a good sign. Yes, Josh. Pay the man, Shelby yes. Harris. We're with you on that. Hey, Shelby. Uh, Spartan2492, good to see you, my friend. Reach out to us on Twitter, connect. He says, what's up, Huddle Up Podcast? What is the solution to fix these season-ending injuries for next year? Almost every game, we lose a key player. Another strength and conditioning mm. coach, your thoughts? Man, that's a that's a question at the 11th hour that we could uh, let our hair up down, but we don't have time. What is your solution, Zach? Because, uh, I mean, really it has to do so much with the pandemic affecting the offseason and and whatnot. But Zach and I have been relatively vocal critics of of Lauren Landau just because of the results. You know, you can't get away from the fact that the Broncos have been inordinately affected by the injury bug. Listen, every team, it seems like it is just ravaged right now by injuries. I mean, look around the NFL. There's so many star players that are missing. But with the Broncos, it it precedes this year. It's happened last year. It happened the year before. And most of it under Landau's watch. I'm not saying you have to fire him, but I think there's a 
a connection to be drawn between his practices and maybe Fangio's practices and the Broncos injury. So I don't know what the answer is, but something has to change because next year, Chad, they cannot afford to lose a Sutton or lose a Von Miller. All right, guys. What a great conversation. Very passionate, some fiery exchanges at times. And that's what it's all about. And we are grateful for each and every one of you spending some time with us here tonight across Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Twitch. Those of you who are going to be listening after the fact on whatever podcast platform is your jam, we appreciate each and every one of you. And it means a lot to have you in the stream and listening and participating and and being a part of the conversation. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars, our Facebook supporters. Gang, seriously, we are – we consider ourselves to be the luckiest two podcast hosts in the world because of your support and DH. So it's all love guys. I respect the work you do. Always grade a pros, even when there are differences in opinion, much respect. Same to you DH three and keep it coming on at milehighhuddle.com in the comments. And this goes to everybody. We want you to keep the conversation going with us. We don't mean that in some, you know, open-ended, you know, way. We want you on the site when the article publishes, you know, we got, six, seven, eight articles a day publishing covering your team, milehighhuddle.com. We want to hear your guys' thoughts and takes on it because we can't always get to every single comment and question here when we're live in the stream. But when it's on the website, we can. You address us directly, you drop a take under one of our articles, we can and we will. We're hanging out at milehighhuddle.com all day. Yes, we check Facebook. Yes, we check Twitter. Yes, we check our email. But that's where we're chilling. So another call to action, just like DH3. Go from the stream into the comment section over at milehighhuddle.com and Twitter as well. Follow the pod at HuddleUpPod on Twitter. Also the main account at milehighhuddle. My partner is at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen and our producer, Buona Beast, a.k.a. at John K. MHH on Twitter. But we're out of here. And, Zach, we're off tomorrow. It'll be Nick and Carl building the Broncos. But we'll be back in the saddle Wednesday night. We'll see what Drew has to say. We'll see, you know, what some of the storylines, how they unfold between now and then, what the Broncos do at corner, if they make some additions. They almost have to at this stage, what the talking points are going to be as far as right tackle this week. Is it going to be Dotson? Is it going to be Wilkinson? We didn't really get time to dive into that tonight, but uh, it'll be fun. So have a great start to your week, my bro. You as well, and I'm with you. I'm very excited to see how Locke uh, handles his presser. I hope he has some fire and kind of, you know, shuts the haters up, so to speak. All right, guys, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.